0: It's time for your last chance question. Name the remake of the groundbreaking horror movie in which the villain- Halloween,
1: uh, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead, The Hills Have Eyes, Amityville Horror, uh, Last House on the mm-hmm. Left, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, My Bloody Valentine, When A Stranger Calls, a Prom Night, Black Christmas, House of West, The Fog, uh, Piranha. It's one of those, right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly what you want in here. Anyway. (laughs) In between. (laughs) Gotta set the mood, man. We're talking
3: movies.
1: All
2: right, well, welcome back to (laughs) Off Topic. And we just finished doing our sequel title podcast, and remakes came up once or twice in that. So now we're doing our podcast on remakes. What makes a remake good? What are the elements that make a quality remake? Let's do our introductions. I'm David Rains. the... I guess I'll say web administrator of rainstorm.com.
1: I'm Beth Accomando, author of the blog Cinema Junkie.
0: I'm Miguel Rodriguez. I am the host of Monster Island Resort Podcast and director of many film festivals and and stuff.
3: Nice. Sitting next to me is... Dante Moran, filmmaker, Inferno Productions.
2: All right, so let's get started with remakes. And like last time, I'm going to just start with what is considered the first remake, which is the remake of The Great Train Robbery. Yes, all the way back in 1903, the year after that. They did a a quasi-remake called The Bold Bank Robbery. So, lest you think that sequels were the only thing that existed since the dawn of film, remakes were happening all the way back then, too, including Cecil B. DeMille doing a remake of his own The Ten Commandments, from his silent version to his more well-known Charlton Heston version. But the question is not whether or not remakes are a problem. Like sequels, they're, they're just multiplying like crazy now. But what makes, what are the elements that make up a good remake versus one that just doesn't have any reason for existing. And one of the reasons this came up is because we all went to see what tonight?
1: RoboCop.
2: And how
0: excited
3: are
2: we about dun, dun, that remake? Dun, dun,
0: dun, dun. <laughs>
2: Not very. Well, why don't we start with RoboCop? I don't want to get too much into this being a review of RoboCop. No. But as far as it being a remake, let's start with that. <laughs> as a remake, Beth. What do you think of the movie, just briefly?
1: As a remake, it's an awful remake of Paul Verhoeven's RoboCop. And why? Because it captures none of what that film did so well. Now, granted, a remake, a good remake should come with a new vision, but nothing in this one really topped what Verhoeven did. And what I loved about that film so much was that it had a very sharp, satirical sensibility and sense of social commentary, and there was genuine emotional weight to what was going on in the story. So you had this nice mix of cool action as well as caring a lot for the characters, and this new RoboCop is just a video game, which, if you're like 13 years old, it's not bad for that. So in that respect, it's an okay film, but as a remake, it's pretty atrocious.
2: Anybody agree?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think we're all in concurrence that it was kind of lackluster. Uh, One thing that, regarding your original question of what makes a good remake and and how does that feature on the scale of remakes, that I think I can at least appreciate what they're attempting to do, because if I'm going to put it on the scale of remakes, then it has some pretty... There are some pretty other terrible remakes that are far worse. And at least this one did at least in its script, attempts to update the storyline for a 21st century audience in ways that are more than just effects. Like some of the kind of points they were trying to make went beyond just, hey, now we can do CGI. Unfortunately, and it goes right back to what Beth said about the emotional weight, there's no humans to pin those things on because everybody was, there was no personality, there was nothing to really care about and it really was like at points i felt like i was sitting at home watching tony play call of duty <laughs> like that's exactly what a lot of yep. those scenes were like yeah.
2: it's like the hobbit it seems to be a movie that exists without its main character mm-hmm. it's like is uh, robocop's not even the star of his own movie and so what's the point of even calling it that dante what's your take
3: i agree with a lot of what you guys were saying and like what miguel was saying that it's made for today's audience you know we are not the demographic that, you know, these people are are trying to sell to. Oh,
0: but this is frustrating. I'm going to have to cut cut you off, man. (laughs) I'm cutting you off. Go home you're drunk. No, no, the reason I have to cut you off because, yes, it is made for today's audience, and you can have a story, and I think they were trying to do that. But I don't think that we have to say it's today's audience that deserves dumber shit. No, I'm
3: not saying that, but they are the ones that are going to accept it. Like, I mean, Tony playing the video games, he's going to sit there and see this, and if he was a person who didn't have Beth's, you know, as a mom, (laughs) guidance, you know, this would be right up their alley. And another thing, I think the emotionalness is almost representative of today's society. I mean, we are trying to get further and further away from actual human contact. We want to make everything automated, from security on your house, from banking. Everything is done online now, from your phone. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, point. connecting yeah.
2: that to film, it's funny you should say that, because most people's complaints about the Transformers movies is that why are there people in it? Why isn't it just about Transformers? It's like, where's the emotional heft to a bunch I'm, of robots I, beating each other up?
0: I, I'm going to interject here on Again? that particular <laughs> point. Yes, <laughs> because... The reason you're wrong <laughs> is because the transformers in their original storylines aren't just robots. They happen to have robotic forms, but they have personalities like. But the people.
2: question is, is whether or not that will translate to film, and I, that's. And in, yes, I absolutely think I it think can.
0: So. Yes, it can, and should have. So I am one of those people who's like, fuck all... The- what are all these humans doing here? It should be about the Transformers. <laughs> Especially when the
1: humans are Sheila Booth.
0: Exactly. Bag. But and again, you
2: have, to, you have to connect not just to the people we'll that Megan. grew up on the TV show. <laughs> you have to connect to audiences that aren't familiar with Transformers. And that's fair. If you it have, if you have. matter.
0: It doesn't matter if you have... Writing, and you can write personalities for those characters. They didn't have any personalities.
2: I will say this this new RoboCop, it seems like Jose Padilla tried to deliver a really solid movie... In spite of studio interference, you could almost see the studio going. I think that's going, where
0: I was definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's
2: like you can almost feel the studio going. Oh, what are you doing? Are you actually making a movie? Stop that! We don't want that. We want product. Yeah. It's which is kind of funny considering the theme of the film.
0: Yeah, it's, it's almost like it took so long to be made because he started getting ideas yeah. from the studios. Like I need to. <laughs> so they had to
3: shut him down, like yeah. RoboCop. <laughs> and it seems
2: like it happened about halfway through. Okay, what are what are the elements of a good remake? What makes a good remake? as opposed to a bad remake. Who's going first? Well, Go for it, Miguel. Oh. You feel oh, feisty. No, bad,
1: bad I, mean, I mean, the key thing for me is you have to have a reason. And the reason can't simply be monetary gain or lack of original ideas. I mean, what tends to motivate most remakes, as far as I can tell, is that the studios look at it as a safe bet for two reasons. One, that if it does fail, they have some defensible position to say like, well, how did we know that last Die Hard movie was going to tank? All the other ones did pretty well. And the other thing is, is that it's, it's easier to do in the sense of you've already got kind of the template for it. It doesn't require you to be original necessarily. For a good remake, it does require that. And to me, two of the best remakes, which prove this point exactly, are John Carpenter's The Thing and David Cronenberg's The Fly. And both of those for different reasons took the original film for the thing took the original film took it out of its original political context put it into a new political context and came up with a completely different film with the same basic premise but from a completely different kind of sense of social commentary and that was brilliant i would and,
2: say the same thing about invasion of the body snatchers yes yeah, yeah. the mm-hmm. 1978 yep. invasion I of the
0: body snatchers
2: and, yeah. well and even up.
1: abel ferrara's wasn't that bad i mean it he still found a way to freshen it up and to you know not just do
2: was Harvey
3: Keitel naked in that one?
2: It <laughs> ah!
1: <laughs> no. might have been. That would the be the bad lieutenant.
2: <laughs> I think we're probably all in agreement that the thing is held up as the icon of a really solid remake, one that deserved to be told does justice to the spirit of the original is almost a completely different movie mm-hmm. but not so different that you can't see the connection to the original right. and i think that's why it works so well and plus it's just a well made film and it seems to be the issue too it's just like can't you even bother to be a well made remake mm-hmm. at least put some effort into it
3: too much interference these days
2: and beth what you were saying about the reason for remakes is the exact same thing james mangold was talking about with 31 to you man i know it's not one of your favorite movies mm-hmm. but i think it is a i think it's a superior remake to the original And I think it does tell its own story without just rehashing the original with updated special effects. And with CGI, that seems to be the case for a lot of remakes anyway. It's like now that we have better special effects... and thank you, George Lucas, now we can redo everything. And I feel like it's almost Lucas's fault because he started with Phantom Menace <laughs> and the Star Wars special edition. So like, now I can do it the way I really well, wanted to do it. Like, and come and on. Star
1: Wars is a remake. It's a remake, a remake of Akira Kurosawa's right. Hidden Fortress. So.
2: Very loose remake. Very loose. So why don't because. we go over Beth's top 10 remakes <laughs> just real quick. The Magnificent Seven, yes. which I think is an excellent remake definitely, of definitely. The Seven Samurai. And why is that?
1: Because again... It had a reason for remaking it and a vision behind it. So Seven Samurai is set very distinctly in Japan with samurai culture, and Magnificent Seven is transplanted to the American West. And so you've got a new way to look at similar themes of, you know, honor, loyalty, and it worked really well because they did transplant it well, and it felt fresh. I mean, that's the thing, too, about remakes. If it can make the material feel fresh, that you're seeing something that you're familiar with, and yet you're seeing it in a new light, that makes a remake good.
2: So The Seventh Samurai, I am ignorant of. Japanese film in a large part. But it seems like the samurai movie is is the Japanese version of the western. Would I be correct in that or? Well, I...
1: hmm? yeah, in go a ahead. Way,
0: yes, because what what you have with the western is very similar to what the Japanese have with the samurai film, and it's amazing because in the same period of cinema when westerns were extraordinarily popular in the theaters, samurai films were even more popular than they are now in Japan. And it's that the icon of the samurai and the icon of the cowboy are these ideals that are very much identified with they're very much the identity of the of the culture or the country of which they take place so you know the cowboy is the ultimate ideal of the american or at least in with what it has been traditionally and the samurai same with japan so they both have a very close link in that way in fact just in, uh, in regards to how people see it.
2: So in that sense, The Seven Samurai could just naturally lend itself to being transposed into a, an American Western. I
0: think it's perfect. I, that's one of the reasons I think it's a perfect remake is because it's not just, hey, it's a movie, let's make it with because we don't want to read subtitles. Mm-hmm. It's we're going to take the idea, and how would this idea, this journey that these people go on, how would that look in our culture, in our country? And for Japan, it was the, the samurai, and the samurai exactly translates into cowboys very, very fluidly.
2: And it's funny you brought up the thing about reading subtitles, because we seem to have this, what appears to be a recent trend, of remaking foreign films for the American market almost immediately. <laughs> with
1: Before uh, the corpse uh, is even exactly. cold. Exactly, like, let yeah. the right
2: one in and the girl with the dragon tattoo going back to Ju-on, the grudge mm-hmm. uh, that's one that also i think the director remade his own movie are yeah. these films that americans just wouldn't bother with anyway and somebody decided well maybe they would appreciate it more if it was remade in english or is it just is it just a cash grab although how does that work both ways how can it be a cash grab if most americans aren't even familiar with the original and wouldn't bother with it anyway
0: I think uh, to answer that question, it really comes down to (laughs) what kind of audience are you looking for? So I think a a large segment of the population watches and enjoys the originals with the subtitles and all that. But a studio sees a major success overseas, and they want a similar percentage of success here. So they're reaching a huge, the wide audience. And I uh, I think that their outlook is, and it's probably not too far from the truth, is that general audiences will watch it more readily if it were an American release made in Hollywood with a huger budget, with name with actors who they know and see on TMZ, mm-hmm. and, and and yeah, and they don't have to read subtitles. I think that is a big thing for I mean, a lot of people. Just the whole process alone is marketing,
3: and if you think about, it, I mean, as a producer it'd be much easier for me to sell this to a studio because it's like, hey, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, they made a movie on it based on, you know, this
2: international bestseller right there.
3: You got people's attention. And, you know...
2: So how did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon become such a hit?
1: Well, I mean, I think there's a couple of issues going on. People are have always been a little bit American mainstream audiences have always been afraid of the subtitled film but that's because initially what we were introduced to in subtitled films were these art house films you had Ingmar Bergman and you know even Fellini and some of the you know other Italian films but what happened like with the Hong Kong Asian films is suddenly you had a class of films that were subtitled, yet they had a popular appeal. They were pop entertainment. They were perfectly groomed for a mainstream audience. The only hang-up was is they had subtitles. So when you had Jackie Chan's films coming over for the first time, and when you had that film Brotherhood of the Wolf, which was a French action film that had subtitles and was released in mall theaters, and people were actually kind of taken aback when they came in and go, wait a minute, you know, this has subtitles. So the dilemma for these American studios was, how do you market a pop entertainment film that has subtitles? And that was kind of around the time that, a little bit before Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out. And so there's that pull with, like, could we make money off of releasing the film in its original language, which is what Tarantino ended up doing successfully with a few films, putting his name on films like, I think he did both Hero and House of Flying Dragons.
0: House of Flying Daggers. Daggers,
1: yeah. So he managed to make people accept those films with the subtitles. And, you know, he, he helped to kind of warm people up to that idea in uh, Kill Bill where you know he does sections of the film that are subtitled and suddenly it's not that bizarre a thing. It's interesting
0: though to bring bring that up cuz I do I think that Crouching Tiger came out before any of those Tarantino releases. Came out in 2000. No, yeah. but
1: he had released Sonatine by then. Yeah, but that for was rolling nearly as huge. no, not as huge, yeah. but still. Uh,
2: you, I think you would be hard pressed to find anybody who really has heard of Sonatine. As far as the but everyone's popul- heard of Crouching Tiger, exactly. The general yeah. population well, is not going to hear as not. But not- the
1: interesting thing about Crouching Tiger is it was produced for a Western audience. It yeah, bombed looks- in Asia. Yeah, despite no. <laughs> the fact that it was in you know. I don't remember if it was Cantonese or or Mandarin, but, I mean, it was made for a Western audience. And it succeeded well here, but But it did not succeed. But
0: I I think you bring up a good question. Why did it succeed here? It was
3: succeeded here because, as you said, it was made for a Western audience. The one thing that people complain about subtitles is it goes by too fast. Now, Mm -hmm. if you sit there and you go, okay, we're going to give these people enough time to read this.
1: Yeah, you, they you, slowed down the pace. Yeah. You end up
3: they understanding did. the film better and just Act- like, oh, this isn't so bad. But when and I got to sit down and read the-
2: I mean, it was Ong Lee. It was very visually striking. Mm-hmm. It was action oriented, but even the parts that weren't action looked very balletic. Is it balletic or balletic? How do you pronounce that word? Balletic. <laughs> balletic. So, yeah, from a visual standpoint, audiences could go and say, well, I'm not going to have to really read a whole lot because the the visuals are going to tell the story for me. And yeah, when they were speaking, I remember it being very slow and very measured uh, mm. uh, much more much more so than you would find in a in a genuine other. Asian song. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, so what is a good foreign remake that's been made into an American movie?
1: Well, well, we just did The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. I mean, as a, that was... Oh, that's a good one. That oh, that's was... Okay,
2: that's right, that's right. Well, what about what what full we of showing dollars? This? Are we saying
3: good or oh. better?
1: No, what are we showing this what
2: Saturday? What we Saturday? All right, what are we showing this Saturday?
1: We Are What We Are, which is an English-language remake of a Mexican horror film. And again, it works because he found a way of translating it from... From the Mexican culture, which has, I mean, there there's certain uh, overtones in the original film that don't carry over to the new one. And what he did is he reset it in American culture and found elements. And for him, it was kind of this religious overtones to make it seem fresh again.
2: What do you think of directors who remake their own films and why do you think they do it? In some cases, they do it over and over again. In the case of Howard Hawks, he... Um, <laughs> He remade Rio Bravo at least three mm-hmm. times, or he remade it twice, so he has, has at least three versions I think versions that was
1: laziness on his part. <laughs> so? Sorry, yes.
2: Why do you think that's laziness?
1: Because, have you watched all of this?
2: I think they're, I have not seen Rio Lobo. They
1: are identical films. You can, like, lay them over on top True. of each other, and they're almost the same. They just swap out the actors. And I think for him, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Howard Hawks was lazy as a filmmaker entirely, but I think those particular films were, like, the studio's like, hey, come on, let's make a film and he's like yeah okay let's just you know replace but I, I forget who replaced who I think James Kahn replaced Dean Martin were they successful and, you know well
2: that was in El Dorado and I yes. have to say I prefer El Dorado because I'm going to take James Kahn and Robert Mitchum over who, who's it was in the, Dean, uh, Dean Martin, Martin and, and uh, Ricky Nelson, Nelson. yeah so, so you tell me who you're going to prefer I'm going to prefer Mitchum and Mitchum, Mitchum
0: Mitchum <laughs> wins every time he
2: does Yeah. So do you think there's a director who's remade his own film who maybe hasn't been as successful?
0: Can we get some examples?
2: Well, Michael Haneke did Funny Games twice, and one of the issues there is that it was basically just a shot-for-shot remake. It was. It was 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 identical. identical. Is there a case where a shot-for-shot remake can actually work?
1: Well, you know, in that case, it's not that the film didn't work. It was just this kind of, like, why? I mean, if you see either one of the films... They both have a strong impact. I mean, he's also a difficult filmmaker. Some people just don't like him. But, um, I mean, I think both films work, but you have to kind of ask yourself... Why did he want to completely redo it? And it's not like that's a marketable film either. It's not like making let the right one in, yeah, no, this where you've got a hook. Money. No.
2: Did he want to do that? Or do, like that? He just said, hey, I want to do this again for an American audience? Well, that's what there... I said. I, haven't, well,
0: I don't know what his reasoning yeah. was. And to answer he's that, he's an question, odd one, though. He is, he is, he's yeah, a bit yeah, of an odd one. I think could so. get, get to the kind of oddball thing where. Maybe they're looking for something that they're trying to say that they didn't think was quite clear before. I don't know if that's the case with Funny Games because it really is so similar. But you have to get into the brain of the director at that point. So, in that well, case. What was the, what, what's the budget difference between both movies? Oh, I have movies? no idea. I think I'm, it's. I don't think there was I much budget difference. There may have been a bigger budget on the remake because of the names involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. The actors. Yeah. Well, but even at that the time, actors.
2: Naomi Watts, I think, was the biggest name, right? Naomi Watts was the biggest and name. And yeah. she's not. I don't think she was that expensive at that time.
0: She, was, she would have commanded more salary than his original actor. Yeah.
1: Than oh, his entire cast in his original film. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, did that help
3: him at all, career wise? I, don't I think, think so.
1: his career is beyond help in that respect. <laughs> no, I—I I mean, I think he's—he's—he's he, he's gotten Oscar nominations for his films as mm-hmm. foreign films, but I mean, I think he's a difficult filmmaker. He's a challenging filmmaker, which is not a complaint for for me. But I—I I don't think that remaking Funny Games for him was some sort of you know, planned career move to advance himself to make more money or to be more marketable to an American oh, which audience. Which really leads you to think I,
0: that did it have to do with some kind of artistic vision or some kind of something he was trying to say that he thought didn't work in the first one. And so he wants to remake it for this one or something that may have worked in the original country but didn't work for an American audience. So, he, you know, what was it? Well, here's a thought. Maybe it was the Hollywood studio that went to the
3: people who actually own the rights because he doesn't own them. You know the the original the owners of the original script. They're probably saying, "Hey, we'll give you this amount of money. We want to remake that here in America."
2: Well, this is all right. speculation on our part now as to who, you know, what is the driving force that made him remake. The well, movie. that's why I said. It's "Like yeah. if you to the we have no idea." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, But it, but it's interesting to speculate
0: and say, "Yeah, like, I mean, if you go to ask the original question, why does a director remake his or her own film?" I would assume that one reason, if if you ignore the money factor, is. They didn't say what they were trying to at the beginning. They're going to try again.
2: Well, you could see it with Cecil B DeMille's case in oh, yeah. the 1920s, yeah. you know, black and white Great silent idea. film yeah. to a color. Yeah. But,
1: and that was a chunk of time that went by. Yeah, yeah He wanted it to
0: time. look like he wanted to go from a uh, you know, an off-Broadway theater to Westminster Abbey, you know, <laughs> he wanted to make it bigger.
3: So, I mean, did I haven't seen a remake of uh, Funny Games, so when you look at the two, you guys are saying it's almost shot for mm-hmm. shot, but, I mean, do you see a difference? Like, look at the the original Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, even though it's a no, sequel, no, no. it's a they, remake. No, you know there's how no look?
0: difference in quality. Really? Yeah, no. There is no yeah. marketable, market difference in camera work, In what anything, everything is the same. Wow. So, does it matter? Interesting. If if
2: that's the case, does it matter which one you watch, really? I really don't think. In that
1: case, no. No. Not with
2: funny games. Okay. What about with, say, Wreck versus Quarantine? Yes. (laughs) Why?
1: There's a difference. But why? Well, because tonally they're different. And I think, yeah, I think so. One's virus
2: and one's demonic possession. To me, that's the only difference between the two that doesn't really come out until the end. Otherwise, it feels like the same movie to me. And I actually prefer the remake because of I, I'm, I'm not one for demonic thematic elements, so I sort of preferred the more.
1: But it really do, it doesn't come out to be demonic possession until the second film, does no, it? No,
2: that's the first film. That's Wreck. Quarantine it's basically a hyperactive. Form no, but of I Brabys. thought the second
1: Wreck film is where it becomes. No, no, no demonic. I'm talking about
2: Wreck versus Quarantine. Not right, but Wreck I thought Wreck, Wreck was completely t- virus. Yeah, Beth is no. saying, yeah, if you take the sequels completely. I haven't out seen it. Wreck 2, I've only seen Wreck. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. See, I, rem-
1: I thought it was... Because I thought it stayed as a virus in the first Wreck, and in Wreck 2, it became Demonic Possession, no. and then in Wreck 3, it goes back to Zombies.
2: No. In in Wreck 1, too long it was a whole yeah. Demonic yeah. Possession thing. I think there was a priest or something like that explaining so, it. So, yeah,
1: that
0: would come down to, do you prefer Demonic Possession movies, or do you prefer Virus movies, and that would do... Because they are so similar.
2: They are Yeah, yeah. literally up until the last scene, there's almost no difference between the two. So... All right, so Beth also has on her list Casino Royale. And this one I think is a little bit of a cheat, Beth, because. The it, well, 19th, it's I know. But it's
1: a remake. Technically. Technically, it is.
0: It's an additional adaptation. I guess <laughs> so. But really, Along with Casino Webbing Royale is not
2: so much a remake as it is let's do the book the right, right way. way with the right cast and with the right yeah. production. But company. it is still a remake. I'm going to give that to Okay, yeah. so technically. this is what I wanted to get to. Okay. Can it be considered a remake? If it's based on the same source material. Basically, So, absolutely. like, Hamlet. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Are we going to consider every single version of Hamlet a remake I, other abs- than the first one? Well, that's a really good question, because now that you put it that way, it's harder to say.
0: No, probably not. Yeah, yeah like how many versions of
2: Dracula because, have
0: there been? Because, yeah, they're, a remake, I guess, implies that they're looking at the original film and remaking elements of that film. Well, with
1: Casino Royale, I feel it's... The Bond franchise, so I see it as, yes, being... I mean, it's part of the Bond legacy. Except
2: that the motivation for making, making Casino it Royale different. had nothing to do with the original. Yeah. It was, they wanted to start yeah. their own franchise over again. It's more of a reboot than a remake, and I don't think they were even considering the 1967 that, I mean, version. That
0: is a really good point, because, yeah, were they even looking at that Actually,
2: didn't they
3: film? get that idea from Quentin?
2: yeah. I think yeah, he brought it do. up,
3: and he was like, "You guys should need to remake Casino Royale," and he wanted to direct. And they're like, thanks for the idea. Bye. <laughs> I mean, I think. Sad, well, dude.
1: I, I I would consider it a remake wow. because, in a sense, it's going back to kind of fix something in their mind. You know, it's like Casino Royale was not a genuine Bond film yet; it has the Bond it wasn't, character. It was, yeah,
2: it wasn't. It part wasn't of even the, really based on the book. There's there's so few elements of. The I book know, but in that it movie. feels
1: like it feels like that was still existing in. The Bond universe, and it was wrong. Well, I mean, again, I have to think here: were the and I have
0: no idea, but was the production team, was the director, was the writer, was that original film anywhere in their neuronal sympos- you know, synapses in their brain at all, or were they just looking at the book? Because you know, like you know, when, when uh, Kenneth Branagh did Hamlet, he went to the play. I'm sure Mel Gibson's Hamlet or Olivier's
2: Hamlet were furthest from his mind. No, he wanted to do the full adaptation full of the full yeah, play. The it full had nothing text. to do with anybody else's version having. <laughs> Although you done could
1: say it does, because to say I want to do the full text is a reaction to the fact that it's never been done before.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, mm.
1: exactly. So, you can go
0: back and forth on this. It's not. Cut you could dry. say that
2: about Coppola's Dracula too. It's Damn the closest right that it's been to the to the literary Dracula that any other Dracula has been Fantastic before. Because I think, it's, but it's still not close enough to call it Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, that's no, Coppola's yes. conceit. He, if yeah. anything he bases off of a book, he puts yeah. the author's name in what front of it. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> that Joseph that Conrad's Apocalypse It's yeah. not Bram Stoker's that's Dracula. True. It's Coppola's It's Dracula. definitely it's Coppola's, Coppola's Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. But it's damn fine. Um,
1: <laughs> in places. In
2: place. yeah. What is it like? Ham- is it like Branagh's Hamlet where it's elements of genius and elements of what the hell were you thinking when you shot yeah, this? Yeah, actually, very
0: <laughs> much like that,
2: yeah. So then we already talked about the thing, but we have to talk about the 2011 version of the thing. The pre-make? The pre-make. The
1: prequel? Yeah. Oh my pre-make. God. This, and this falls that, into the category yeah. of
2: prequel or sequel that really or is remake. just a remake. Yes. Yeah. And will younger audiences, will audiences that were born after the turn of the millennium, will they consider that the definitive no, version of the thing? No, because it's already been forgotten. It was
0: bad. It's already been it, forgotten. Yeah. But remember Nobody that the thing.
2: But remember that the 1982 John Carpenter's The Thing didn't do well at It didn't. You. But now it's on
0: all ages. Lots of people you talk to, they know that movie. That movie is in the consciousness, now, and that's where you come down. And you're bringing up this a really interesting point that needs to be said. How much does box office really matter huh. in the long run? Who gives a crap what it made in the first year or first two years? Does the film culturally have legs? Will it exist in people's consciousness decades? And John Carpenter's The Thing does. Mm -hmm. The pre-make? I barely remember it. Nobody talks about it. And nobody will in 20 years.
2: Going off what you said there, it's really interesting because it's it's a Wonderful Life is the perfect example of that because uh-huh. I believe it tanked when it first came exactly. out. And the only reason they even aired it is because I think it was in the public domain at that time mm-hmm. and it was just something they could put on TV when TV was just first coming something out. And it now it takes
0: thing time for yeah. things to resonate. You need to let that
2: pot brew. So we talked about Star Wars being based off of the Hidden Fortress and even that is very, very loose connection. But he acknowledges he it. He did acknowledge it. But he, I would say that that is more oh, inspired, inspired by, by. Yeah. Than, than actually a remake. We have the Sergio Leone, Man with No Name, well, I wanna, I don't want to say trilogy, because I don't think The Good, Bad, and the Ugly was based off of anything Kurosawa did. It's certainly not no. based off The Seven Samurai. No. But we definitely have But those. Fistful
1: of Dollars was inspired and a few by more. Yojimbo.
2: Yojimbo, which is awesome. And, okay, I'm probably going to be the only person in the room who thinks this, which is not unusual. You had the 2005 King Kong listed as one of the best remakes, which just hurts my heart so much. Mm. Because as awful as it is, I really think the 1976 King Kong is far superior to what oh, Jackson came up with. Oh no! Give me the monkey in a suit climbing the World Trade Center any day over the entirety of Jackson's Skull Island abomination. It's just nothing but headache-inducing, unwatchable, CGI, dinosaur rampage. Part of me wants to say, David, "David,
0: are you crazy? But then the rest of me starts saying, Miguel, if you had to go home right now and choose, do you want to watch the 1976 one with Jessica Lange getting blow-dried by King Kong? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to watch the three-hour... Peter Jackson King Kong again, which one would it be? It would absolutely be
2: the nineteen seventies. Scruffy Jeff Bridges and no. Smarmy Charles. I am Brody. never gonna watch the Peter Jackson no, Kong again. That's never gonna yeah. touch my TV. I will. Because it's just, it's just, (laughs) it's, there's nothing about it.
0: Yeah. You didn't
3: like Jack Black?
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, as I always say, the New York, the one thing he did right was the New York sequences. That was great. Yes. But everything from when they left port to when they came back is just hideous. There's nothing salvageable from that entire sequence. Especially Andy Serkis' Popeye in person. Okay,
1: well, you skipped over Scarface, though.
2: <laughs> uh, I skipped over a lot of ones. Scarface. Now I haven't seen the original Scarface, but <sighs> clearly they're so vastly different, and I just don't know why people like the Brian De Scarface. What you talking about, man? <laughs>
1: It's so racist. It's so horribly yeah, racist. But it, oh, but it is so over the top. I mean, that's kind of the whole that's point. That's the 80s, baby. Uh, that is the whole point. <laughs> that's why the
2: original RoboCop works. The, yeah. The real top, yeah. I, no, Scarface is way more over the top than yes, RoboCop. Yes, it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no,
0: no. It's I'm It's operatic. You're, you're missing my entire point
2: with that. No, yes. I'm not talking
0: about it, but yeah.
2: Do you want me to go back and Scar talk Face about the man too much?
1: Awesome. No, I was Scarface. I, mean, I think is an interesting remake because it what... is vastly different from the original, and yet it's distinctly drawing on it. I mean, without the Warner Brothers gangster film or the that whole mm. kind of genre, um, De Palma's Scarface wouldn't exist. I mean, he's playing that's off true. of that. That's this whole sense of the perverted American dream, and it's still happening, and it's still this kind of immigrant immigrant story, and yet. In De Palma's hands it's this grand opera you know that just goes so far over the top and you can accept the fact that you've got Al Pacino as a Cuban but I mean he's so he eats up that role he yeah, chews he up scenery it is so much fun to watch
2: I wonder how that movie would have would have been if Oliver Stone had actually directed it Oh, oh, it would've no, been serious. It would have been no. really he wasn't, he wasn't quite at his Oliver Stoni quite yet he, he hadn't done Platoon, but it would have been is really script.
3: I mean, that's a serious. film that's embedded in American culture. I yeah, and yeah, I mean, even it's more, more so decades. every year. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. It definitely grows and, and it has some interesting followers. Shockly, yes. it mm-hmm. surprises me.
2: Um Little Shop of Horrors. I had to bring that one in mm-hmm. because that is a sort of a double remake because they adapted the play off of the movie first mm-hmm. and then converted the musical into what I think is a fantastic movie. Yeah, it's great. Steve mm-hmm. Martin just owns that Yeah, that, that he scene. Choose it up. Yeah, yeah, oh, God, so good. That was one I was hoping would have a... Best Steve Martin role, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that was one I was hoping would have a, a nice midnight run like Rocky Horror, but I guess people thought maybe it was too childish.
0: Kind, and... I'm kind of glad it didn't because now we can watch it if it ever gets shown without a shadow cast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> And of course, I have to mention Ocean- Ocean's Eleven. Has anybody seen the original? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's terrible.
1: <laughs> the only appeal of Ocean's Eleven was seeing the Rat Pack together on screen. Yeah, that was that. Was I mean, it. it was kind of this. It was kind of like reality TV before reality TV. It's it like was we like we all Spice knew. World. Yeah, we knew We knew these guys hung out together and it was kind of fun to see them on screen kind of joking around, but it was not a great movie. No, I think it's a heist film with no tension. They
2: planted a camera and said, You guys just hang out for two hours and then we'll do some insert shots with you, you know, jimmying a door open, and that's basically the whole film. And that's
1: really the only appeal of the remake. No, the remake actually
2: had a no come on. Oh, it was the remake is fantastic. It at least it had a script. And it had characters. And it was bad. And it was, you know, directed and paced and edited. And,
1: come oh, on, don't. no.
3: I know he loved the, which uh, one of the sequel where he had Julia playing
0: Julia.
1: <laughs> no. You God. loved it. Oh, God. Don't, what, Julia and Julia? Do what?
2: Julia, Julia Roberts, Roberts playing, playing Julia herself. Roberts. Oh. So what about remakes that aren't quite as
1: good as the original
2: but still solid? I'm going to go with something like The Departed. Because I think in front of that
1: was, was god awful. I'm no, sorry. No, totally uh, that was awful. Beth,
2: you're allowed to be wrong every once in a while. Oh, no, you are things. wrong. You are have so no wrong. i that movie. So it's like, uh.
1: that, yeah. the Hong Was Kong it the film.
2: accents or,
3: or what?
1: Because it did a horrible job of remaking the film. And Scorsese it re- it- denied that it was a remake. What? In not the press sure. materials, he talked about the fact that you can't really consider this a remake and that he didn't really consider it a remake.
2: That's not but that's not the same thing as denying that it's a remake. That's basically that him is... saying this is my vision. No, no,
1: no. It, he didn't say it's my vision. No,
2: I know he didn't actually he say said, that, but
1: it's not really a remake. He said it's not a remake.
2: And it's a movie that stands on its own. Okay, if you just if you take it away from the original, what do you think of it?
1: It was awful. I don't understand you I am so mad that that's the film that won an Oscar for him.
2: Why did, what
3: didn't you <laughs> it, like about it Beth
1: I, I well, I thought Leonardo DiCaprio was not, I did not buy him in that role at all. Um, I didn't think it it built tension well I didn't I didn't like the way he put it together. it just it left me cold
2: All right, so I'm afraid to ask you about the Dawn of the Dead remake
1: the the Zack Snyder? Snyder one That was all right.
2: I think we've talked about that one already. Yeah. Did we? I mean, what, earlier here? Yeah, not today. Another, oh, in another po- oh, podcast?
0: Maybe, I think another podcast. All right.
2: Oh, yeah, I think we talked about the I zombie mean, baby.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not Oh, a, we did talk about
2: that. And enemies. I did say
0: the only reason it was good is because of James Gunn's script. Mm-hmm. All right.
2: Okay, so how about reboots versus remakes? What would you consider to be a reboot instead of a remake? And I'm going to... Pink Panther. What's that? <laughs> the Pink Panther. Is it? A, is it? A, do you the think The Steve so? Why? Martin
0: one is a reboot.
2: Yes. Because they intended to make a series out of it. Yeah, they did. They made at least two.
0: Two. They made two. They made two. So with Steve reboots... Martin. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: See how forgettable that was.
2: I know, totally forgettable. It seems like the reboot thing started. Steve with- Steve Martin, Peter Seller. Uh... Yeah. God. <laughs> it seems like the reboot thing started with Batman Begins, and because that was successful, then everything after that, like the very uh, next year, they back came to out Spider-Man. with Spider-Man. Why, well, but Spider Man never really enjoyed a big theatrical release. I don't think the original movie was a TV movie, wasn't it? Uh, it was a series. It, but I'm saying it was yeah. for television. I don't think it was ever made for the theater. I think I don't he, know. he's talking about. Are you talking about Sam Raimi Spider Man versus the
0: new Andrew Garfield one?
2: Yeah. Oh, no, but I mean, but Batman Begins was long before that.
3: I could <laughs> swear to God there was a Spider Man movie back in the 80s. Maybe I'm thinking about. Yeah, no, you're talking no. about the Nicholas Hammond. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a TV made for TV mm. movie. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
2: No, but that was yeah, that was not. That for was not the theaters. Those but I think awesome. the Batman Begins was well, the I, first time they started using the term reboot.
1: I mean, I think Casino Royale is a reboot of James Bond. It's a, a reboot of James Bond, one. certainly, yeah. Yeah. and
2: that came out the following year. And mm-hmm. then, of course, hot off the heels of that, we had the Incredible Hulk. So it seems like if it's if it's a series of films and you start over, then it seems to be a reboot instead of a remake. Even if Evil Dead?
1: On... Is that a reboot or a remake?
2: It depends. Is it... Oh, I don't know. Can you really consider the Evil Dead a series? I mean, I know there are three of them, kind of. I, I don't I really mean, You can it... really
0: say there are two. You have Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness that actually have continuity. But... Yeah, that's true. There's a little two really...
1: continuity in Army of Darkness. The car? So... No. Well, <laughs> yeah,
2: you have Evil Dead 2, which is just a remake.
0: Well, at the end of Evil Dead 2, he ends up in that time, and then they pick up yeah. pretty much right where they leave off for Evil Dead 3 or...
1: But the right. new Evil Dead, it's kind of a reboot, but it's also positioned to possibly fall into the They
0: say they'd like to combine to the two, but honestly, tonally and everything about yeah. it screams reboot. You think? Yes. Yes. Interesting. I mean
1: it's gonna be hard to cross pollinate yeah. them unless There's it starts no to have a ship. In it whatsoever. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Although I'm Bruce Campbell could come in and just tear the place up and yeah. make yes, it all he good. Should.
2: And I have to my honorable mention here is we have to talk about psycho. If for no other reason ah! than the intention was literally to make a shot-for-shot remake. And well, I know I we mean, talked a little bit and, about and it last I think time. We
0: did talk about it a little bit, which was, uh, I wish I could find, I need to get, get a, cite a source here, but Gus Van Sant basically saying he was making it for people who didn't want to watch black and white movies. And if you want to just go full circle, what makes a good remake,
2: that is not a good reason to make a remake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're doing, especially if you're making it so calculated, I mean, from what I understand, he literally was on set with a stopwatch, timing each shot down to the second, and he would do it again. It's like, no, well, you guys were two seconds over on that one. You need to start again. But I had to it's mention It's moronic. No, it, yeah, it,
3: we'll just do it in editing. I, you know.
2: I know. Well, and again, he cheated because he put some insert shots that weren't in the original film. So what did he do? I don't know what he was thinking.
3: <laughs> you know? Dude, he just knew that he could get Vince Vaughn, and he had to act right
0: then and there. Okay, so now Vince's we get to Vince's schedule my... was
3: going to get, you know,
0: tied up, and he wouldn't have them. In 1993 or 4 or whenever that came out? I don't think that was It was 1998. It was 98? Yeah. Holy crap. It seems
2: like it was farther back. Not now. as old as you think it was. Actually,
3: no. I think he was probably doing more movies back then than he is now. Mm.
2: Vince Vaughn? Yeah. Well, that's when he tried to kind of get serious. He did Jurassic yeah. Park, which isn't necessarily a serious movie, but he wasn't playing a comedic role, and then right after that they put him in Psycho.
1: Well, and he made Swingers, swingers too, yeah. which he directed or wrote? I forgot.
2: Uh, no, he just that's co- John Favreau. He was no, just in it. He was I, it. Was I know he was in it. I know he was he... in it, but yeah. I think John Favreau either wrote it or directed. No, he, he wrote it. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. You think we'd know this stuff We're movie people? No, Favreau, he
3: did both. Yeah. Vaughn might have co, uh,
2: co-, co- wrote, I think. Yeah. And so now we have to talk about the sacred cow of movies that must never be remade Lawrence of Arabia. Even though we did have. A cast, Beth and I had a casting session. We, did, did either of you guys contribute to that on Facebook? I don't know. I'm never on Facebook. So I Beth, Facebook. who was your choice <laughs> for Lawrence of Arabia if they if they redid it today? I forgot. You forgot. What, what
1: did I come up you, with? The, Benedict Cumberbatch. You came Cumberbatch? up with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, what did Beth I? I thought, I, thought, I thought somebody else had. Because we were all right. These, I'll claim it.
2: Yeah, we were sort of playing around, and you said Cumberbatch, and I was like, you know what? That's that's, that's actually a really good, good idea. <laughs> yeah, Cumberbatch he would be works. awesome. <laughs> it works. And it was like if you can make me I think re- I also
1: suggested Michael Fassbender after doing his little mm, Peter no. O'Toole imitation. Yeah, no, not for No, me. no, no, but yes. No. Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> would be amazing. <laughs> it almost makes me want to see that film remade.
2: I know we just had a whole almost almost. Hey, if you're going to if you're going to catch but They could they could
1: it. revisit Lawrence as a biography. Not necessarily. I could see that. remaking Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Well,
2: I know there's been a sequel, and I believe it was a television sequel with Ray Fiennes, which yeah. I hear is actually not bad. Lawrence After Arabia. And I mean, this... he's a
1: fascinating character. That mm-hmm. I mean, that's Lawrence of Arabia just kind of explores one. Lawrence facet of Arabia of him. to
2: me is not just about the character, though. I no. Mean, that film, no. in so many different yeah. ways, is so astounding. It's not even necessarily about who plays Lawrence.
0: Well, or... well, what makes it so great is it. It's not. It's really about the area and about yeah. not the political and the physical landscape. But it's set in opposition or not really opposition, but next to Lawrence, who is just seems on screen just as big mm-hmm. as that landscape. So when you put them together, it's like, holy crap, this is amazing. And then you do have we talked about this a little bit before when it has the intermission, the first half of the film and the yeah. second half of the film, they're very, very different.
2: So they're talking about a, this film that's supposed to come out called The Queen of the Desert, which is being marketed as a female Lawrence of Arabia. And they got Robert Pattinson to play Lawrence. And I see in the look on everybody's face and you guys are going to be shocked. I actually think that's not a bad casting choice. That actually I, I had no problems
3: with Robert, but they just need to leave that alone.
2: But he's not the main character. He's he's a secondary character in that particular uh, film. So right there, it's gonna fail. It's you think it's not about him; it's about somebody else completely.
1: Yeah, but that's he's a, a weak queen, choice.
2: Queen of the desert of yeah. the desert. So who's gonna be the queen? I don't know. I don't remember who they cast him because I don't feel like I care. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I only care who plays Pattinson. Lawrence.
1: Pattinson. No, I think he's wrong for it. Okay. He's it, Lawrence has to be a bit enigmatic, and I don't think he's really I and don't charismatic.
0: Enough, yeah, I don't have enough experience with Robert Pattinson.
2: So I, I just whatever. know him from Team Edward posters. So <laughs> I can't really say one way or the other. So let's get into TV adaptations now. It seems like the first that I can recall, the first TV to movie transition would have been 1966 Batman off the Damn. TV show. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty, I remember watching it as a kid and it seemed to pretty well encapsulate the the series. And it was a pretty it's a great nice movie. Film. Oh, it was a it's great a movie. Blast. But I don't think it was really until 87 when De Palma gave us The Untouchables. Mm. that the the trend to adapt TV series really took off. And then I, not long after that was The Fugitive, which got a Best Picture nomination. Yeah. And then it seemed like almost every... Then after that, it was everything. It was Mission Impossible and The Brady Bunch. and Beverly B- Hillbillies. Beverly
1: Hillbillies. Wild Wild West.
2: Right. Yeah. Do you think that has merit?
0: I'm going to say... I'll probably get some crazy looks from this one. Miami Vice... Oh, oh, your but mind. why? Mammy Vice
2: was good. Oh, but why? That's the question. Well,
0: uh, why? <laughs>
3: oh, I see.
2: I knew, I knew Dante was gonna. <laughs> He's hurting.
3: <laughs> was gonna <laughs>
0: because I was thinking of David as Tubbs. Now, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling
3: you, Terrence Howard. <laughs> no, seriously, um, why? I,
0: why? I I don't know. I think that. Um gosh, what what you know? What made Miami Vice so popular in the 80s has nothing to do with the film. has nothing to do with what made the film interesting <laughs> yeah. to me. And I think that was, you know, like Beverly Hillbillies, which is a terrible example, was just trying to make Beverly Hillbillies for the big screen. And uh, The Fugitive, while it, it kind of, for various reasons, it was very different from the TV show, but... It was pretty much the same premise, the same idea. The characters were more or less the same. It wasn't me. It was the one-armed man kind of thing. But Miami Vice was just a totally Miami Vice and name only, with some of the
2: names. But it was
0: it was a. Michael it seemed Mann like film. he was
2: remaking the concept more than he was remaking it the was, TV yeah, show. Yeah, he took
0: the concept and he's like, I'm gonna make a Michael Mann film.
2: Because there's so little of it that takes place in Miami.
0: Yeah, I know. It's really. Yeah, it it's, should have
3: been called Havana it? Vice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, or, or but, but that makes vibe. sense. If you're gonna have Miami cops, where are they gonna be? Cuba. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. Ask Phil.
3: They could have done something better with the production.
1: There's also Twenty One Jump what? Street.
2: Okay, so how about that? That that brings cam-pour. up a different idea of this idea of adapting a TV series, a serious TV series into a comedy, and Jump Street is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Jump Street actually works. Right. But, um, and I think because it wasn't trying to be a serious adaptation, and it was not only. I poking think it just used, fun
1: at being. I don't even an think adaptation. it was poking fun
2: at Jump Street. I think it was just no. poking fun at action films and high school films, and just using Jump Street as an excuse. I do think yeah. that they were like they
0: were saying, "What would happen if we remade Twenty One Jump Street? Let's look at that premise. Well, that's that's a pretty hilarious premise that could really work as a comedy, and it did.
1: Because it was a ridiculous TV show Absolutely. if you go back yeah. and ridiculous. think about it.
0: Yeah, when you, when you look at the premise, it's, it's
1: absurd. So These 20-something actors playing <laughs> high schoolers and nobody thinks anything of it. And so, I think yeah. they
0: were probably making fun of that yes. a little bit, too. Just every high school show or movie in the 80s was 30-year-old uh, high schoolers. Yeah, exactly. But so. It wasn't made schlocky. You know, no. when, it, when they did Starskin
3: Huts. you're like, dude, uh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, that was bad. This is the best you can do? But, yeah, I was actually, you were the one that told us about that, about, about 21 me? Jump Street. And that and was, was actually funny. surprising. Yeah. Was, I know, it was, it was surprised. I like, wow. was like, "Really? I'm hearing really
2: good stuff yeah. about this, but I'll see." And turn, hey, if uh, if a movie can turn me around on Channing Tatum, it's it's done a good job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, in Star Trek, technically, would be Star
2: Trek yeah. is. I have a list here. Star okay. Trek. Yeah. They sort of tried with Planet of the Apes, which is a miserable failure, but Rise of the Planet of the Rhymes. Apes. Yeah. Now, is that a reboot of a reboot, or is that a prequel of a failed reboot?
0: I think it's a prequel. No, it, well, it's a reboot but it is a remake of the last film in
2: the original right. series. So does that okay, so is Planet of the Apes a reboot or a remake? Or is it just Do you mean the oh, Burton one? One. Yeah, one? The Burton one's a remake. The Burton
0: one is a remake.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. It's also Even a though it's film. supposedly based on the source material. Or it's just a remake. We've already covered it's
0: that? a total remake and even <laughs> yeah. though it's based on the source material they completely changed things anyway, so it doesn't even That's matter. True. That's a good and good point. and it that is just a very sad, sad movie because the effects on it are startlingly beautiful yeah. and awesome, and it's such a terrible, terrible movie.
2: Now, is X Men: First Class a reboot or a prequel? Prequel. It's yeah. the part of the same series.
0: Okay. And yeah, it's canon. It's part of the same series.
2: If Days of Future Past had not been coming up, would you still think so? They. Yeah. I mean, they've said it as much. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. They said it from the beginning.
2: Yeah. All right. So. I don't know. Anybody, what else can we say? Is it side? good? No, no. X-Men First Class?
0: It has good scenes. Yes. It has some good chemistry, but it's not a good movie. I would I say it's movie? an
2: okay movie. I don't yeah, think it, it's okay. It's, it's not great. I think it's between okay and good.
0: Of the X-Men series, it has it has parts I like the most.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think because it seems like it tried to stick more to the source material, but as far as... It didn't seem to be very energetic. No, it's the opposite of energetic. Yeah. What, <laughs> say what you will about X-Men Last uh, Stand. Last you know Stand.
0: what's what's weird? Oh, what's
3: say what you will
2: about it, but at least it had an energy that was missing from Brian Singer's first two movies. I like the thought.
3: production a lot better than, than in Last, Last Stand. Yeah. yeah, I was disappointed with the way that they produced the first two X-Men. The wire food was so obvious. And <laughs> yeah. it was just... Which is bad.
2: It just doesn't have a sense of urgency or or danger that Last Stand did. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying The Last Stand is the best one by any means. It's not. It's the worst. But I still think it's, I don't want to say worse, it's the least good. But I still think it's a good movie. (laughs) I
0: can't watch Last Stand. I never will again. But um, what I think is interesting about First Class, which I'm going to go back to because it's more worthy of discussion, is the scenes that have the least energy in them as far as physicality goes – are the more interesting scenes, and it's the scenes that are supposed to be action scenes where you feel like there's no energy, and that's what I think is really interesting about that. It is a little noisy, I guess. Why well, do you think there's a, there's more conviction in the acting? Yeah, probably, and 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 you care more. Mm-hmm. Like you care more when it's, uh, oh gosh, Fosbender and McAvoy. McAvoy. When you see McAvoy and Fosbender on the balcony talking about whatever with the... I don't even remember. But it was... The big it was, dish? The big antenna? Yeah, the big antenna. The big dish. That was a great scene. That was a good scene. And you care about those characters. But when they're, like, going in the jet, I don't give a crap about any of them. Shoot it down. Have all that... Have all the military fire their missiles. Nobody... I don't care. I don't care. Just let this movie end. Why uh, don't you care? Because there's no there's no characters to hang my cares on Well,
3: I didn't Shouldn't you have on, gotten that from the 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 scenes that you liked or you were just like they, no, there was too much of a separation
0: there was too much of a separation they were like different movies yeah huh i don't know that i agree but okay yeah i just uh, i just did not care about it. i would um, like to see that movie again where you where you just take some scenes out and just throw the rest of the movie away and make it a short film <laughs> all right so favorite remake <laughs> the thing
1: yeah the thing i would agree the thing and the fly are yeah, my the thing and the favorite. fly are pretty don't nice can say connect.
2: the thing
3: yeah, no, that's, that's uh, one of my favorite remakes. Actually,
2: it's like one of my favorite films just all around. I'm going to go with Total Recall. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Obviously, it's the thing. How can it not be the you thing?
1: Know. I mean, we didn't really talk about Cronenberg's The Fly because I mean, no. that's a case of remaking a film where the new technology really did give him a way to retell the story.
2: But he also retold a story. I think he told a different story. Yeah. It it he ha- did.
1: But, I mean, he was able – I mean, a lot of times we, we've we talked about the fact that films get remade when technology changes and right. they want to use special but effects. We have to use the a,
0: technology to tell a exactly. story. It can't exactly. be just,
2: hey, look, more technology. Right. Look, we can do the fog with actual CGI fog. Well, who cares? Yeah. Oh but, I mean, God. this is a case
1: I where – Where he identified Uh the fact that, yes, we have this new technology. That allows me to retell this story in a way that I I want.
3: Hey, you guys are forgetting one of the best remakes Uh we've seen in the last Uh 10 years. Dread. Dread. Oh,
1: that's oh, true. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know what? I thought you were about to say "huh," but no, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. What was I no, gonna say? True. I thought well, you were gonna like we say a
2: visual. We need a. We need to do this on
1: camera. I know. Well, I <laughs> think <Yes>. it was.
0: <laughs> I thought it was gonna be another thing like David Reigns being like, total, total recall. recall.
1: Hell no.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh. you loved Carrie. I would. haven't seen that one. That. I did love the first Carrie. I can't imagine I would love the second Carrie.
3: Now, what do you guys think of? But, uh, but, um, Dread but yes,
2: Dread. And
1: the thing about Dread was, it was such a shame that it got. It did so badly at the box office. Mm. I mean, you would think that a film like that would just hit a baseline, that it would get a certain crowd out there, but it just I disagree. That's I
3: what the new RoboCop needed. It needed that oh, it energy yes, and visceralness did. from Dread.
2: No, RoboCop needed a visceralness to it, yeah. not just a visualness. Because... No, that's what I said. Oh, I thought you said visualness. No. Sorry. No. Oh, okay. Visceralness, okay. yes, absolutely.
1: It doesn't. It's no. a computer game, and it has that much weight. Computer games games have that have more weight than that, actually, and more storyline.
3: So why do you think it failed?
1: Which RoboCop? Uh, no, No, Dread. uh, um, Dread. You know, I don't think I have a lot of. Well, there's a few things, but I think the studio did not back it at all. There was no publicity. There was no support for it. They didn't try to, you know, reach any kind of an audience with it. And I think. Yeah, I think it's people just didn't know.
0: There's not enough brand recognition with Dread. Mm -hmm. So uh, people know, the general uh, audience member knows Dread at all, if at all, because of Sylvester Stallone version. Mm -hmm. And they have, yeah, there's just nothing there. So you needed something to give people to show them what it could give. And uh, and they didn't. There was no marketing. There was nothing. Well, from to... a marketing
2: perspective, there's no hook for uh, a character like that. With Blade, you have a half vampire hunting vampires. There's a built-in hook. You don't right. need to know the source material. With Dread, it's just a futuristic cop who shoots people. At least well, that's how it's marketed.
3: But this right? is the thing I don't understand. Okay, is it the times we have now? Because when we were going to the movies, well, I should say when we were young, going to the movies. You know, you see a trailer, you see something cool. If I saw, like, a poster dread, I'd be like, I'm going to see that. You know, Um, Matrix. You got Keanu Reeves doing martial arts just
0: right there. But you had Keanu Reeves. You know, you had a name. I
3: yeah, think. but they yeah. did.
1: I mean. Well, but we also. Well, they Matrix had a
0: concept. But I out. think yeah. that would work against you. Yeah, but the marketing was. Do you remember they the, did market? the marketing? The marketing on
2: the Matrix was fantastic. Yeah. What that, is the Matrix or something like that? Yeah. They nothing. kept it a mystery. Yeah. Well, and their first yeah. teaser was, was phenomenal. It was yeah. this just mind bending, what am I watching? No, yeah, yeah. It was Awesome. But yeah. Dread
0: had nothing
3: out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were. They had were... no marketing. But I don't understand that. Why not? Because they had. I, I don't, don't know. It sat
1: on the, the shelf film... for a while too. I really? Be honest, I
3: don't
2: think I the film it... is as good as you guys. I'm not saying it's but a you're bad David film. David Rains, every other person <laughs> yeah. I talk to yeah. says it's a fucking great film. <laughs> but why? I mean, what's so I mean, why is it why is it it's certainly not because as good it... as The Raid and it's not I don't even think it's as good as Die Hard and it's I don't know what what is it selling? It's price? way better than the
1: last Die Hard.
2: I am talking about Die Hard. <laughs> I'm not talking about anything that's not Die Hard and then, you know anything anything that came after 1988 is tangentially Die Hard.
1: It's a it's a solid action film and yeah. it's a solid comic book adaptation. Yeah, whenever
2: I see it I get so happy. But it's not phenomenal. You and, guys make it sound like it's this phenomenal achievement that Lena Hesley is great oh, as the
1: villain? Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think
3: we we are so excited about it because it's going back to what we loved about films. You know, where you had a solid villain because you don't have solid villains these days. No. They're all no. just
2: just weak. Was there even a villain in RoboCop?
3: the, uh, the politicians.
2: Plural, but, right. where's, but No, where's no. Your no there you're... was no
3: villain, yeah, yes. mm. yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean,
1: the guy that he ends up tracking down as his, you know, first murderer. you don't even feel anything. He gets yeah. shot in the dark. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> he gets shot in the dark, and you don't even care. I, I every mean, there's Bob time anyone
0: there's... gets <clears throat> shot. There is nothing attached to it. But there's no, no gravitas. Reven- I mean, no the- toss whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. the but, first uh,
1: Robocop, you are so thirsting for revenge because the scene where he gets shot is so brutal. painful and brutal that you're just like, oh my God, I want to see that no guy. There's no Clarence
3: Boddicker. No. I was no. Say, they had a solid yeah. villain in the original. Well, they
1: Ooh, had two solid they had villains. They had yeah. three. Yeah, oh, that's true. And, yes. and not only did they
0: have so many, each one, it wasn't just nameless villains. Yes. Were, each one was a. Force.
2: Mm-hmm. But they one was the primary villain. Clarence yeah. Boddicker was the designated villain. Yes. And the other two were just kind of assholes. Yeah, well, Yeah, Dick. One, yeah, Dick, <laughs> Dick. Dick Jones.
0: <laughs> but that's really interesting, too. That's one of the reasons I like that movie. You could talk so much about it. Dick Jones is the puppet master type of villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he's really the
2: source.
1: Yeah.
0: But...
2: Like Sam Jackson in Django.
0: But Clarence Boddicker... Clarence Boddicker is the villain where you really get a, a more uh, direct
2: want yeah. for revenge. He's the villain that drives the, the the plot.
0: Basically. Yeah, he's the villain. Yeah. But, but that that says a lot because really you want to go for the source, but you're so distracted
2: by the Clarence Boddicker because he's so more in your face. Who was it that said a, a movie is only as good as its villain? Oh, that's very... I think that's
1: been said, yeah, many Or is it just times.
2: a generalization now? Or...
0: No, I th- it is definitely a quote. I can't, I don't remember who I was attributed to I would think it was I totally agree
3: with that. And th- and I think that's one of the reasons why I like Dread. It had that
1: mm-hmm. just, mm, oh, yeah. just long, R- Yes, yeah. I go, finally a movie well, for adults. Are suggesting actually, that
2: maybe Timothy the, Oliphant is not as strong a villain as Alan Rickman? How dare you? No. Well, and you know,
1: the <laughs> things you're mentioning are, are things that I think may have hurt Dread. R rating. Yeah. yeah. It cuts out a large segment of the the population who can't go as easily. That's the why younger. RoboCop is PG-13.
0: But that's the thing about no. it is the
3: kids these days, that's what they want. They don't even care. I mean, they go to see the PG-13 movies, but... I know kids love the, oh, yeah. the hardcore, gritty but stuff. But I I
1: mean, I think when you've got a film that's under-marketed, no, and true. it's R-rated, and your villain is female, yeah. I think all three of those things hurt it. Which make it good. That's, <laughs> that's
0: why I But think, No, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but but I are, mean, those were things that
1: hurt it from actually doing well at the box office, and I think if it had just gotten a little bit and of a And what's push, great,
0: is, not only does it have a great villain, but we haven't mentioned that it has... Carl Urban <laughs> nails it. Yes. Nails it more than anyone I've ever seen
2: anyone nail I don't know how character. he kept his mouth in that position the whole time. Yeah,
0: but what is amazing. Like you don't see anything on the guy except his mouth and you read everything from him. And how can you take a line, a one liner, that's just a the one word? Or... Yeah. <laughs> and make it one of the best one-liners of the decade. <laughs> That's true.
3: And right, watch it again. It is oh. so good. It they is. didn't interject the lame love story
2: either. No, nothing yeah, like no, that. No, no. Nothing so, like they, that. they threatened to, but then they didn't. But and you they, knew that. But you knew that Carl Urban wasn't going to go for that. No,
0: and, which is great. That's the other thing. Carl Urban really loved that character. But and then when he when he's like, "Mama isn't the law.
2: <laughs>
0: I am the law." It's like he did it, you know. And Sly tried it.
2: Oh whoa. Uh, know. no! <laughs> <laughs> so I and guess it, I guess it turns out that everybody's favorite remake is Dread because it's the one we spent the most time. Uh, on. Oh yeah. It well, sad. it's because That's it's the, m- it's in the most recent memory and, and we it's have,
1: a fun one. It, so. is, a fun it one is a fun one. It is a fun one. And
0: we still have the sting of it not doing well. I suspect that Dread will have legs. Yeah. I suspect oh, that yeah. this is a movie that people are going to talk about. Discover. Just
2: discover exactly like they did with Carpenter's The Thing. We should do a podcast on that, on whether the home video market is so saturated now that it's harder for a to find. I think is, absolutely legs. that's yeah. the
0: case. Mm. I think absolutely that's the case.
2: But this was about remakes, and I think we may have run our course. Anybody have any? Write that to topic down. Okay.
0: Well,
1: rough, and, man, and just, a lot more rough. just a reminder to catch a great remake on February 15th. We Are What We Are is playing at the Digital Gym Cinema. It's going to be the San Diego premiere, one night only. Opens and closes the same night, but it is an example of an outstanding remake. No, Beth,
3: to what are you gonna decide. make? I'm interested in knowing what you're gonna make for that day. Oh, yeah. Gonna, oh, I
2: don't snacks? know.
1: I was thinking of making stew.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like Making that. him into what?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, cannibal stew.
2: I, I think we've covered it. Are all. you guys uh,
3: excited about the. Um, no. Mutant Godzilla teenager. we've got Godzilla as a
1: remake up. that's true I mean we could talk is that, is about it is Godzilla a remix, but... remake a reboot <laughs> reimagining
0: definitely an oh. American reimagining but it's but it's at least so back by far the trailer has got time. me interested it is
3: you know I'm, I'm the interested. trailer looks
0: good If it, if
1: I'm hopeful I'm not saying it looks great yet but cautiously I'm cautiously optimistic yeah. those are the two words
3: what about used. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles we'll not talk to, about that no.
2: we'll <laughs> have to see footage <laughs> on that alright that wraps it up join us next time
1: the end Thank you.